you think, man, I can't be loved. And I'm here to tell you today, man, it's not true. It's not true. Like you were created with a purpose. You have the mark of God. Satan wants me to think that I'm defined by everything I don't do or can't do. And he presents those as if this is who you are. You're not lovable. He whispers, the world would be a better place without you. And my guess is there are some men watching this that feel like that today. Maybe the world would be a better place without you. I need to tell you today, you need to hear this. The world is better with you in it. You are worthy of love and respect. You are worthy of encouragement and empowerment because you're made in the image of God. Hey fam, good to be with you today. It's the holidays. As a matter of fact, Christmas is right around the corner. Hyped about it. It's my favorite time of the year, but it's also uh, one of the most stressful times of the year. A lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, just a lot of negative energy that, that men don't know how to talk about. Uh, we don't always know how to process and that can manifest itself in unhealthy ways. And probably the most unhealthiest way uh, is suicide. Like I want to talk about something, something that, that hits near uh, to me that, that's real. And that's, and that's the fact that men are literally killing themselves. Men suicide 4X more than anyone else. A couple of weeks ago, the USA Today just announced that, that suicide rates in our country have hit an all-time high, an 80-year high. The percentage hasn't been this high since the Great Depression. Think about that. Probably one of the worst times in the history of our histories, and, and we are now at Great Depression levels when it comes to, to suicide. And the most telling thing of all the suicides that happen across our country, men account for 80% of suicides. 80%. And I can't, for the life of me, figure out why more people are not talking about this. And I don't know if it's just the, the negative context that men are largely viewed in so when we think about that, that 80% of suicides being men, um, there, are, there are a couple of demographics that are, that are hit the hardest, right? So ages 25 to 64 is where you're going to see the most suicides, even though we've seen an increase in, in men over the age of 75. And I think a piece of that really just comes down to um, our culture really doesn't value the elderly. We no longer... We no longer prize the sage. When you look at when you look at Asian cultures, um, they do this really well. Like they will they will prize the elderly. Um, Hispanic cultures do this really well. They 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 honor um, um, those who are older, wiser. They they love the sage. But but in our country here in the West and in, in the United States of America, we really don't do that. Like we put you we put you out the pastor literally, right? So we're seeing a huge uptick in and men 75 years or, or, or older. And then, and then what's interesting is, is you, really see, you really see suicides, not just 25 to, to 64, but it's, but it's particularly white males, white men. So the most likely person to commit suicide in our country is the, is the, you know, the 44-year-old white guy. And I think there's various reasons for that, right? 
uh, reasons we'll talk about. They, they, they've bought into the lie. They, they, they feel purposeless. They, they feel useless. useless. Maybe, they, maybe they bought into the dream and figured out that the dream was actually a nightmare. But no matter how you slice it, we have a problem. Suicide is at an 80-year all-time high, and men account for 80% of the suicides. But the reality is, man, we have, we have a national problem on our hands. Men are, men are literally killing themselves. In another recent study, uh, when they surveyed men, uh, men who had suicidal ideations, men who had attempted suicide but, but either failed or didn't go through with it, they, they asked those men, you know, why was suicide an option? Why did you pursue suicide? And, and the number one and two answers, most common answers across the board, was um, I was pursuing suicide because I felt useless or I felt worthless. Useless or worthless. And that, that feeling of, of uselessness, that feeling of worthlessness, it's, it's plaguing men in our culture to the point that we're actually wanting to, to kill ourselves. And brothers, listen to me. This is, this is nothing new, right? If you go back uh, to the beginning, to the beginning of time, to, to Genesis, to the beginning of the Bible, you, you meet this character uh, named, named Satan, and he's, he's in the form of a serpent. And his only weapon, the weapon he used then and the weapon he uses today is deceit. It's, it's taking God's goodness, uh, the truth of God's goodness, and distorting it and twisting it. The Bible calls him the father of lies. He is the deceiver. And he's not, he's not creative. The Bible actually says he's crafty, he's cunning, he's keen, he's not creative. And I say he's not be creative because, because he's been telling the same two lies since the beginning of time. The first lie was that he looked at the man and he looked at the woman and he said, eat of this fruit and you can be like God. The actual Hebrew says you can be as Elohim, you can be God. That was the first lie. Eat this fruit and you won't need God because you'll be God. And then the second lie followed it. The second lie, the Bible says that in their shame, in their guilt, that they ran and they hid from God. That's the second lie. You are so bad that God or no one could ever love you. And brothers, there are a lot of men today that they exist between those two lies. Either I'm so good, I don't need God, I don't need anyone, I don't need anything, or I'm so bad that God or anyone would never love me, could never love me. I think today, especially today, there's a lot of men that fall prey to the latter. I mean, you're living in a state of, of despair. You're living in a state of, of, of you, you've been berated and you've been cast out and you've been pushed down and you're, you're in this place where, where guilt and shame and failure Man, it's so heavy that, that you think, man, I can't be loved. I can't be used. I'm, I'm worthless. And I'm here to tell you today, man, it's not true. It's not true. Like you were created with a purpose. You were designed in God's good design. You possess uh, what theologians call the imago Dei. Uh, you are the image of God. 
You have the mark of God. And what, and what Satan wants you to believe, what he wants me to believe, and, and listen, there are many days that I'm believing this, that, that my past mistakes or my current failures dictate my future. Satan wants me to think that I'm defined by everything I don't do or can't do, that I'm defined by everything I shouldn't do but did. And he takes, he takes my guilt and he takes my shame and he takes my failures and shortcomings and, and he presents those as if this is who you are. You're not lovable. You're useless. You're worthless. And then he whispers, you know, the world would be a better place without you. And my guess is there are some men watching this that, that feel like that today. You feel like maybe the world would be a better place without you. You feel like, and maybe it's not suicide, maybe you feel like in your marriage, with your family, at your place of employment, oh, these people would be just fine without me. So you leave, you, you abandon, you, you end it. And I, I need to tell you today, you need to hear this, the the world is better with you in it. You, you literally reflect characteristics and traits about God. Now, now, some of those characteristics and traits you don't reflect, right? Think about God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. You're not. God is um, omnipotent. He's all-powerful. You're not. You're not Iron Man. God is um, omniscient, right? He's all-knowing. That's, that's not you. But but there are some things that are that are you what what we call the the communicable attributes of God those attributes that we can communicate things like justice things like love things like mercy and goodness you you can and you should reflect those things and because you're made in the image of God that means you have value you have certain intrinsic value certain worth you are worthy of honor and dignity. You are worthy of love and respect. You are, you are worthy of encouragement and empowerment because you're made in the image of God. You know, we have so many divisions in our country today, um, age divisions, racial divisions. There's so much disunity, and, and there's a lot of secular science and a secular reasoning as to why that is. Let me tell you, let me tell you why it is. It's because we've lost the concept of the Imago Dei. It's because we've lost the concept, as C.S. Lewis said, that, that when you have an interaction with another human being, you're not talking with a mere mortal. You're talking with the image of God. So whether I disagree with you, whether I dislike you, whether we're a different gender, a different age, whether we're a different race, man, I'm supposed to see you as created in the image of God. And because you're created in the image of God, man, I'm going to love you, and I'm going to honor you, and I'm going to show you respect, and I'm going to tell you that you're worthy. I'm going to encourage you because at our very base, we are created in the image of God. So what happens is, is we begin to believe the lies of the devil. We begin to believe the lies of culture, and we begin to internalize that, and we think we're the only ones. And as we, as we begin to believe that we're the only ones, that's when isolation sets in. 
that's when loneliness doesn't just become a trait, it becomes a problem. So we're isolated, we feel alone. I mean, we're living in a time that, that the term male recession, male friendship recession is a real thing. Where male isolation and loneliness is a real thing. The Surgeon General just announced a few months ago the number one killer of men today is not cancer, it's not heart disease, it's isolation and loneliness. We're actually going to be talking about that next week. What does it look like to, to live in a friendship recession and how do we come out of that? And we can. We were designed and creative to, 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 to come out of that and to live in community. It's one of the things that promotes relational, physical, spiritual, emotional health. The world is better with you engaging in it. Your marriage, your family, your work, your community, they are better when you are engaged and in it and living in the fullness of, of what God has for you, of what he's called you, you to be. Everything in society is telling you that you're the problem. Everything. Everything in society is telling you that you're trouble. In a recent study by Dr. Jim McNamara out of England, he came to the States and, and he looked at 2,000 channels of mass media. For six months, they looked at 2,000 channels of mass media, everything from the New York Times to Daily Talk Show. What they discovered was 80% of the time, when we talk about men in our culture, we talk about them in one of four lights. They are either a, vil a villain, a pervert, a womanizer, or an aggressor. So every time you hear, you hear about a man, you are hearing, more than likely, you are hearing about a man in that light, that he's a pervert, he's a womanizer, he's an aggressor, he's useless, he's worthless, the world would be better without him. And if you hear that over and over and over again, after a while, you'll start to believe it. I mean, think about the gender confusion that we live in. We've taken um, the God-given roles and the God-given design for woman, and we've, we've mixed it with the God-given roles and the God-given design for men. No, listen, men and women are different. They were created different. They were designed differently. It doesn't make one sex better than the other. It just makes us unique. And when we are not living in our unique calling, when we are not living in our unique responsibilities and our unique giftings, we will be confused. I mean, men today don't even know what to do with their strength. They don't even know how to defend and protect. There was a, there was a great movement about, about 10 years ago called, called Women Warriors. It was when President Obama opened up all the armed forces to women. So for the first time in the history of histories, we send women to the front line to defend our country. Do you know we are one of the few civilized countries in the world that actually do that? That send women to the front line to defend our country? And that's a new thing. That's a recent thing. There are, there are ancient civilizations, ancient cultures. There are are many indigenous and Native American cultures today that would look at us and think, man, you're crazy for, for sending a woman to the front line to, to defend our country, the very people we should be protecting. We're not, we're not too far away from probably sending children to the front line. 
things that terrorist groups do. And because of such, uh, they, they, they call it the women warriors, right? And listen, if, if, if you've got a wife or someone you know who's serving in the armed forces, man, man, that's great. I'm not throwing shade on that. But what I'm telling you is because of this confusion about what a man is good for or supposed to be used for, man, men are resigning. Men aren't just slow quitting their masculinity. They're slow quitting life. They're 4Xing suicide more than anyone else. We don't know what to do with our strength. We don't know what to do with our hands. Young men are being told, work smarter, not harder. So we're being told to, um, to exercise our brain more, right? Be more successful in school. We're literally being told to be more successful in a system, the American education system that is designed and set up for women to excel, for women to achieve. Not, not men, not, not young boys, not children. That's why, that's why I look at any statistic. When you look at, when you look at boys, little boys, young men, they get, they get diagnosed and, and, and medicated for ADHD and things of that nature, sometimes 8 and 10X. Why? Because, because a little boy wasn't designed to sit in a desk all day and work on cursive handwriting. Little girls succeed at that, not little boys. So we're being told to work smarter, not harder. We don't know what to do with our hands anymore. Blue-collar trades and blue-collar vocations have been on the decline now for decades. We have a national shortage for electricians and plumbers and truck drivers and welders. I'm talking about six-figure jobs. Like you can make a good living, a great living being a plumber being a truck driver, being a welder, we don't know what to do with our hands. So for the first time in, in, in history, we have, we have more young men sitting at home than ever. 10 million, it is estimated there are 10 million able-bodied young men today between the ages of 18 and 44, prime working years, that are not working. They're sitting at home. The Chinese army has a standing army of 2 million men. We have five times that, sitting at homes, playing Call of Duty, playing video games, doing something that they know they can win at. I just, I just read a statistic in 2010 when, when the new Call of Duty come out. Within the first month, within the first month, online users, largely men and young men, logged 68,000 years of play in one month. 68,000 years. For what? Accolades on a video game? No wonder there's so many men and young men searching for purpose and searching for meaning. We don't know what to do with our hands. We don't know what to do with our strength. We don't know why God designed us and created us. We live, in, we live in utter confusion. At the same time, culture and media and television in the world is telling us that we're useless and we're worthless and that we're the problem. So what do we do? We buy into the lie that we're no good and we're unlovable and we end it. Man, I am calling our country. I'm calling our cities 
I'm calling our churches to wake up. We have a problem. Suicide is at an 80-year all-time high, and men account for 80% of all suicides. We have to do something about this. We have to start encouraging, equipping, and empowering young men again, men in general. I'm done with, with beating up on men. I'm done with telling men they're the problem. I, I recently told the Georgia Baptist Convention, you can, you can call a man out as long as you're willing to call him up to something. I'm done with, with pastors and churches and organizations calling men out. Stop calling men out unless you're willing to call them up to something better, something more, something great for their lives. You know, there's a, there's a theological kind of a theory called the art restoration theory. And I want you to think about this. Um, if you were to go to your great-grandfather's attic and you're in his attic one day and you find out that he has a priceless Rembrandt sitting in the attic, but it's been ruined by dust, and it's been ruined by dirt, and it's been ruined because it's been kicked around, it's marred up, it's scarred up. What do you do with that painting? Well, you don't take the painting and make something new. Because if you do that, that priceless Rembrandt is worthless. It becomes worthless. No, what you do is you find somebody that restores art, and you have that priceless Rembrandt restored back to what it was, back to what it was supposed to be. And when you do that, you have a priceless piece of art. Brothers, I'm telling you, that's exactly what you are. You are a priceless piece of art. Ephesians 2.10 says that you are God's handiwork. The Greek word there is poema. It's where we get our English word for poem. The Bible literally says you are God's poem. You are God's masterpiece. And listen, failure and sin and mess-ups and shortcomings, it ruined the masterpiece. It did, man. It distorted it. I get it. I have that in my life. But instead of creating something new, God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, is restoring us back to what we were. He is working this restorative process in our lives. We want to allow him, we want to, to ask him to work this restorative process in our life restoring us back to what we were. We are priceless. Brother, you are priceless. Created in God's design. Created in God's image. You have value. You have purpose. You are worth more than a million priceless Rembrandts. In theological terms, we would call it sanctification. And sanctification is basically this. It is becoming more like Jesus Christ. It's becoming more like a saint. That's the wonderful thing about God's design for manhood and masculinity. We don't have to reinvent it. We don't have to make something new. We just have to look to Jesus, who was the greatest man ever. And we strive to be like him. So as God works on us, as he sanctifies us, and he does that through his word, he does that through his church, he does that through his Holy Spirit, he does that through being in community with others. As he is sanctifying us, he is conforming us to the image of the greatest man that ever existed, King Jesus. I need you to believe that. If, if you've never heard that, if you've never heard it, um, from your family, if you've never heard it from your church, I know you haven't heard it from culture, I am telling you, 
you mean something. You are valuable. You have worth. God has a good design and a good definition for your life. You may be thinking, well, Chris, what is that? What is it that you want me to step out of and step into? Well, I want you to step out of the lie. Step out of the deceit. Stop listening to Satan. I love what Martin Lloyd-Jones said. Martin Lloyd-Jones in his great book, Spiritual Depression, you should read it. It's a short read. Read it. He said we should stop listening to ourselves and we should start talking to ourselves more. We need to stop listening to the lies of the devil and we need to start speaking God's truths over our lives. And here's the deal. You're actually a lot worse than you pretend or claim to be, but you are a lot more loved than you can ever imagine. You hear that? Man, I'm a lot worse than I could ever pretend or claim to be. But I am more loved than I can ever imagine. God sent his son to pay the penalty for my sin, for your sin. And he calls us back into his good design for manhood. So we step out of the lies and we step into his good design. What is that good design? I call it the four W's. If you want to start living with purpose, if you want to start living with passion, if you want to start going somewhere in life, instead of, instead of sitting around like an envelope without an address going nowhere, if you want to start going somewhere in life, four W's. Are you ready? First, Man, just courageously follow God's word. God wrote you a book. It's the Bible. He wrote it to you. He wrote it to me. We need to pick the Bible up. We need to read it, and we simply need to follow it. If we just do that, everything in our world changes. We need to courageously follow God's word. And don't just read it alone. Read it with other people. If you've never read it or if you're not used to reading the Bible, just start with two or three minutes a day. Find somebody that knows God's word. Find somebody that reads the Bible and say, hey, man, will you read this with me? And if they tell you no, shoot me an email. I'll read it with you. Courageously follow God's word. Secondly, you were designed and created to love, serve, and protect God's woman. God has put women in your life. Maybe it's a mom. Maybe it's an aunt. Maybe it's a fiance, a girlfriend, a wife, a daughter. I don't know who it is. But, but God has designed you and programmed you to protect and to provide and to love and, and to honor that person. Not to use them as a means to an end. Not to be solely codependent and rely upon them. If you, if you are relying upon a woman right now, you know what kind of shame and guilt comes to a man that has to ask his wife for lunch money? It's hard to live with that. It's hard to bear that. No, God has created you and designed you to protect and to provide and lead, and you lead through serving and honoring the women that he's put in your life. You love, you protect, you serve God's woman. Thirdly, you excel at the work God has given you. And I don't care what kind of work that is. I love what Luther said. Anything done into the name of the Lord is a holy work. We are not working as if we're working unto man. We are working unto King Jesus. 
the air conditioner went out in my house a few weeks ago. The HVAC guy showed up, and as I come around the corner, he said, hey, aren't you the better man guy? He's like, I've done that study, man. I've, I've seen your stuff. He said, I wish I could be more like you. I said, what do you mean? He said, man, I wish I could do podcasts and speak and preach and travel around the country. I, I, I wish I had your type of influence. And I said, well, how long have you been an HVAC guy? He said, I don't know, 25 years. I said, how many homes do you think you've been in? He said, oh, I've probably been in 30,000 homes. I said, bro, do you know if you carry the gospel, if you carry Jesus into those 30,000 homes with you, you'll have more impact and influence than most megachurch pastors in our country? He started to tear up, and he said, man, I've never really thought of it like that. Bro, being an HVAC guy is holy work. Man, you're providing a service. You're helping someone. You're helping my family. We're dying of heat exhaustion. We need you. So we courageously follow God's word. We, we love and serve and protect God's woman. We excel at God's work. And lastly, we better God's world. We do that through our children, through our church, through our community. We find the world in one shape, and we live to make it better. And and guys, that's as simple as when you see something out of order, fix it. My son and I will be walking across the parking lot and we'll see some trash and I'll stop to pick up the trash and throw it away. And my son will say, Dad, why did you do that? And there's two answers. One, because I can. And two, because that's the way God's created us. He's created us to bring order to a disordered world. So when I see some trash, I pick it up. When I see someone with a flat tire, I stop to help them. When my daughter comes home and she's got a broken heart, I'm a shoulder she can cry on. And I'm, I'm here to make the world better. You don't have to have a million followers. You don't have to have a big platform. You don't have to be doing all the things that the world says is significant. No, you just have to be making an impact right where you are. Right where you are. Courageously following God's word. Loving and serving, protecting God's woman, excelling at God's work, bettering God's world. Listen to me. You have purpose. You have meaning. Don't believe the lies of the devil. He's whispering in your ear right now, you're worthless, you're useless, you're the problem. Brother, you're not the problem. You're actually the solution. You're the answer. Man, I want you to have I want you to have a Merry Christmas. I want you to have a great holiday. I want you to enjoy your friends and your family. I know it's stressful. I know you may be a bit anxious. I know there's a lot of trouble and bad in the world. You're not a part of it. You're the answer. You're the solution. And if you are having bouts of depression right now, maybe you are wrestling with suicide. Man, we've got a number at the end of this video, and you're not alone. Reach out, call this number, get help. The world needs you. The world is a better place with you in it. Believe that, brother.